We're in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and we'll be picking up in verse 30. Jesus has been confronting the multitude uh, that have followed him around the lake of uh, the Sea of Galilee lake over to Capernaum, and the Jewish leaders have now found their way down from Jerusalem and they're intermingled among the people. And these Jewish people are heavily influenced by their scribes, their rabbis, and uh, the Levites and so forth. Jesus, he's proclaimed to them, the work of God is to believe in him whom God the Father has sent. There it is. That is required. This happens to be a command by Jesus to us. A command from God to us to believe. The multitude, they've asked, what work should we do? And Jesus has told them, believe in me. There's your work. Believe in me. And when we speak of believing... Scripture has a heavier influence on just mental assent. Uh, It's to put our hope and trust in Jesus that brings about a lifestyle change. To accept a truth, our society kind of looks upon, well, I believe that. But biblical belief, again, means behavior change, attitude adjustment. It's to think and consider spiritual matters. Consider what Jesus offers. That's eternal life. Jesus desires that all of mankind would believe. He tells us he came from heaven to earth to seek and to save the lost. And prior to us believing, prior to us being born again, we were lost, needing a Savior. You remember Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and he said, uh, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus simply said, Be born again. Have a lifestyle change. Go from unbelieving to believing in me. And Jesus now will continue his teaching when the Jewish leaders will begin to pose their questions. So let's look at John chapter 6, verse 30 through 40. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see see it and believe in you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. 
But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus couldn't have been more plain, more straightforward in his addressing of this multitude that has followed him. But we have Jewish leaders who are now intermingling with this crowd and they're kind of throwing forth questions to Jesus and what sign or what work will you perform so that we may see it? Therefore, convince us that we should believe. Now they ask this question after Jesus has been healing many of the diseased, many of the sick, and he's just fed 5,000 people, 5,000 men. But the conclusion of the Jews is our fathers ate manna in their desert. In other words, are you going to feed us again, Jesus? <laughs> and they quote scripture to Jesus. Our fathers ate of manna in the desert. They're quoting scripture at Jesus, challenging Jesus by his own written word. This quote, Moses gave us bread from, from heaven to eat. Now, we can rest assured that Jesus knows scripture. We cannot hold Jesus hostage by his own word. Whenever we try to force Jesus into action by quoting scripture to him, there's only one conclusion to that. Realize we have just quoted out of context, <laughs> apart from his will. When I was a young man, a couple, three years back, though this is many years ago, I was engaged to a lovely young Christian lady. One night, we're leaving our Sunday evening service, and we're driving. We're stopped at a stoplight, and a drunk driver runs into the back of us. The impact was so severe that it flipped our car over onto its roof. And my last recollection of being in the car is I'm going up like this and there's flames inside the car. My next recollection is I'm outside the car running and my coat's on fire. It was a rear impact, but I was thrown out the driver's window. I can only say I was spared by God. If you're hit from the rear, you go forward. But anyway, running back to the car, I pulled Linda out of the burning car. 
I had superficial burns, but Linda was burnt over 80% of her body. Off in the ambulance to the hospital. After several days, I'm released. But Linda's is still in intensive care at the Orange County, Orange County, California, burn unit. The purpose of this story, I am praying for God to do a miracle. I'm wanting to see her recover. While in prayer, praying for her, I begin to quote God, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. And I'm trying to hold God accountable to that scripture. But God spoke to me very clearly. And he said, what if I want to take Linda home to be with me? The question was very real to me. And I wrestled with it. I wrestled with this question. And it had been three weeks since the accident. And I knew I had to surrender to God and his will on this thing. And I confess, okay, Lord, I've been praying selfishly. Then I pray, your will be done. And Linda went to be with the Lord the next morning. My loss, my heartache, it was severe. Knowing that Linda was with her Lord and Savior, though, brought me great comfort. We as friends of the Elwells and Jeff had his funeral Friday and his family they mourned the loss of Jeff the only comfort there is we know that Jeff is with the Lord and what a great comfort that is he is with his Savior but we still weep our loss is great we still mourn but we will see Jeff again. He simply went before we did. Our prayers are that God will comfort the family and comfort Sarah. But consider now, the Jews, they want a miracle. They want food. And they want it from Jesus, and it's for their own selfish reasons. Feed us Jesus. We can quote scripture, try to hold God hostage to his word to no avail. But Jesus, he corrects this Jewish crowd of their interpretation of scripture. And he tells them, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but God my father gave the bread. So Jesus lets them know, it was God who gave you the bread, not Moses. And here's a, another word for this multitude. And the bread of God, and he's speaking spiritually, is me. I came down from heaven to give life to the world. And yet the people still do not understand what Jesus is saying. And they say, Lord, give us this bread and give it to us always. 
But Jesus is trying to open eyes to understanding. Jesus wants all of mankind to think spiritually. And Jesus once again declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes after me will never hunger or thirst, and the multitude, they cannot bring themselves to understand or believe this. Even though it's Jesus, the Son of God, speaking to them. This crowd of Jews, this group of religious leaders who should recognize who Jesus is from just from all the prophecies fulfilled, fight against their own concepts of who Jesus should be. They battle in their mind this image of Messiah, and Jesus doesn't fit their image. And they listen to their trusted Jewish religious leaders versus God. I think this multitude, if it weren't for the religious leaders, would have listened to Jesus if they hadn't have been so heavily influenced by their rabbis and their scribes and their priests and so forth. I think they would have been persuaded. But they weren't. Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel's founder, he, he would often say that he wishes he could read Scripture without any preconceived thoughts or doctrine. He wanted to read scripture afresh and anew for what it said, not what he had preconceived in his mind for his doctrine. Sometimes our own thinking or our esteemed leaders, ministers we look up to, can actually harden the heart of the people that they're speaking to, to God's word. You have to be careful what commentaries you even read. There's some commentaries that they're great on facts and background and so forth, but they're kind of short on believing in miracles of Jesus. And they want to tell us what Jesus meant sometimes when he said this. Read it for what it is. <laughs> it seems that many of our esteemed heavyweight, I don't know what else to call them, preachers, TV preachers, they fall and they crumble before our eyes, usually from infidelity or something like this. We have a lesson in that. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. Don't look at man, look at Jesus. And Jesus is speaking truth to his own Jewish brethren, and yet they can't understand it. In verse 36, Jesus says, you have seen me, yet you do not believe. 37. That God the Father, he gives me these works to do, and I have done them. 
but God the Father will give me some. There will be some that come to me. And those who come, Jesus says, I will by no means cast them out. That's as secure as we can be as a believer. Now, I've been known to tell a story about my cows. It's been been acknowledged by some of you folks, and some of you folks don't appreciate cow stories, but you're going to get another one. I recently had a mother cow die, but I didn't even know she was sick. And the way I discovered that she was sick, she would not come with the other cows to eat the sweet feed that I gave them in a big trough. She remained laying there on her haunches, upright but on her haunches, and I walked over to her and finally got her to get up, and within a day or so, I take her to the vet, but she died a couple days later. She was unable to come and feed, and death overtook her. Come to Jesus. Come while the opportunity exists. Spiritual death awaits the Jews who refuse to come to their Messiah. And Jesus told them, I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of my Father who sent me. And Jesus repeats himself. It should have been sufficient one time, but Jesus repeats himself. And he says, this is the will of the Father. He, all he has given me, that I should not lose any. That's God the Father's will. That's God the Father's purpose for Jesus. And I will raise up at the, all the Father has given me in the last day. The promise. And Jesus, wanting to be understood by all, he repeats it again. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life. And I will raise Him up in the last day. Three times, Jesus makes that point very clear. He's very plain spoken. No parables, no hidden agendas, no nothing. He's speaking truth. Believe in Him whom God the Father sent. Come to Him and you will have everlasting life. Jesus could not have made it more straightforward and plain to us. But unfortunately, many of these Jews that are listening to Jesus and their Jewish leaders, they do not believe. Jesus earlier had said, I come to my own, but my own do not receive me. This multitude of Jewish people, so heavily influenced by their scribes and rabbis, will not come to Jesus, will not believe in him. But here's a sad truth, a profound truth. Jesus does not give everlasting life to unbelievers. 
He doesn't do it. There's so many people who assume that because they were maybe born in Christian America, they're therefore a Christian. They attended church as a child, therefore they have everlasting life. No, believing, believing, accepting Jesus Christ for who he is, what he has done, and that he rose and resurrected from the grave is believing. Those who come to Jesus must, it's required, to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And the gift they receive is eternal life. What a deal. The most critical choice before any of us and before all of us is do I believe? Not does mom and dad believe, not does my church believe and teach the truth, but do I personally believe in a resurrected Lord who died for my sins and who gives me everlasting life? That's the question before each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.